0: Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Multifamily Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Wilbur, and today I was lucky to sit down with Marshall Friday. Marshall is the head of sales at ADT Multifamily. He is a popular voice on LinkedIn, and he's a family man. It was fun to talk with him about the intersection of work, family, and personal priorities, and to learn a little bit about why he's so excited about the future of prop tech in our space. This was a fun one, and I hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. Marshall, welcome to Modern Multifamily. Happy to have you here. Happy to be here, Mike. First time we're actually speaking after connecting a ton on LinkedIn. And there's a ton I'm hoping to chat about today, but I like to start these with kind of how you found the industry. So can we just start with maybe a little bit of a career background and how you found the chair that you're in today? It was an accident,
1: if I'm being honest with you. So, or, or happenstance, if you will. I joined ADT in 2005. I've been here for a long time. And uh, my most recent gig before this was in learning and development. And so I was uh, doing leadership training across the organization, working with our call centers, with our operations teams, with our sales teams. And I ran into somebody who worked for a company that we acquired years before. And I asked him, what are you doing now in the organization? And he said, I run our B2B to C channel. And I said, that sounds made up. What What does that department do? And he said, well, I have HOA multifamily and builder. And I said, huh, do you ever have any openings over there? And he said, I've got an opening in multifamily right now. Would you want to do it? And, and at this point, it's 2019. I've been here since 2005. I said, what's multifamily? I did not even know ADT had a division that focused on this. So Super cool to connect with them. I applied for the job. I ended up over here, and it's been three and a half years in the multifamily space, and probably the best three and a half years of my career here. I'm loving every minute of it.
0: That kind of blows my mind. So before 19, you weren't in the industry directly or indirectly at all? Not at all. Wow. Um, In our lifelong seller, have you always been in sales? Like The learning and development piece, you're obviously selling internal teams creating buy-in but like what about your path to sales was that also kind of an accident or what's the story into the sales sales career because you're clearly killing it
1: yeah i uh my dad told me when i turned 15 years old uh or he asked me he said are you excited to drive a car next year and i said yes sir and he said you know a car costs money right and i said yes sir and he said i called sea world and they hire 15 year olds so you should go out there and get a job And I had a friend who worked for a vendor inside SeaWorld, commons art shops that does caricatures and portraits. And so I applied for a job, but I'm not artistic. And they had a job writing names on a grain of rice and selling this rice necklace for $15 to unsuspecting tourists who are visiting SeaWorld. And I wrote names on rice for commission For three years in high school and learned a lot about sales, learned a lot about getting out there, talking to people, bringing people in. And I realized as I went through college, I'm getting a degree, but I'm going to want to be in sales for the rest of my life. And here I am.
0: I love that. And uh, it's interesting because in our industry, especially on the the seller side where we both sit, a lot of the companies are early to mid-stage, relatively small, relatively scrappy, you're working for a publicly traded, massive, complex organization, so your experience in sales is very different from mine. What's that like when you're part of one of many faceted verticals for such a huge, complex, global organization?
1: I I will admit, Mike, I think I have the best of both worlds. The ADT multifamily team is a relatively small part of the organization, a relatively new part of the organization, Uh, This department got here through acquisition. So there were other companies that did this in the space. And through acquisition, it's now part of the bigger ADT family. So we get the brand, the big brand, the big marketing dollars, the big budgets. But we battle the big brand as well. Uh, I think we probably go to a lot of the same trade shows. We talk to a lot of the same people. And the ADT logo for a lot of folks is home security. And I could have a great conversation with them for 30 minutes. I could write an article about ADT multifamily. I could speak on a panel about ADT multifamily. But when those people go back to their hotel room that night and they flip on HGTV, there's the Property Brothers saying ADT is a home security company, and it all goes off the window. So we have to be just as scrappy fighting against an even bigger organization with the same logo to remind people that we are in the multifamily space. So there's pros and cons.
0: That makes sense. What So for the multifamily listener, what is your core value proposition? Or there might be a couple of them, because I, I, it's easy for me to confuse you as a Dwello or a Smart Home, and I'm sure there's overlap, but there's surely differences as well. What are some of those core value propositions to your clients?
1: So first of all, Mike, thank you for confusing me with Dwello or Smart Ran or one of the players out there, because that is the space that we play in. A simple tagline that we have is we make apartments smart. So it's smart locks, it's smart thermostats, it's smart light switches, leak detectors. Uh, The difference or the differentiator between ADT and a lot of our competition is that we have a huge commercial offering as well. So there are divisions of ADT that can help with common area access control, with CCTV, with fire and sprinkler systems, with burglar alarms. But my team's core focus is smart home technology inside multifamily units
0: and do you sell to owners do you sell to third party operators do you sell to both i mean we all love owner operators because it's usually faster decisions like when you're talking such complex hardware blended with software you surely have a like ideal customer profile what does that look like as you're learning how to kind of scale this vertical for adt
1: a couple of key points there Uh, quicker decision in multifamily is not the same as what I expected it to be when I got here. Uh, a, a quick decision happens in half a year or less, right? Um, and when it comes to uh, the this, there is a hardware fee, there is a software fee, there are recurring costs that go along with this. We're still finding our way with uh, what makes sense. But I would say we have a good mix right now in our customer base of owners, developers, operators, management companies, It really depends on the makeup of the customer that we're working with on what makes the most sense for them.
0: Got it. And in your world, are you territory based? Do you have a team? Like what is your actual role at ADT look like?
1: Yep. So I'm the head of sales for ADT's multifamily division. I have 10 national account managers across the country that focus on property management companies and ownership groups within their territory. Um, from coast to coast, my furthest Northeast is Rochester, New York, and my furthest Southwest is Los Angeles. So I get to see a lot of the country.
0: And when you, as you've built this team, are you hiring people from the space? Do you prefer kind of a blended environment? Someone who knows enterprise sales, maybe a little bit of industry expertise. That's always a hard combination when you're trying to scale a prop tech team.
1: You know, I, I think we put on a good face. At ADT Multifamily, we are the fastest growing division of ADT right now uh, in terms of volume, in terms of just organic growth. We're a department that nine out of 10 employees at ADT still don't know exists, but they know something's happening over there in multifamily. Um, I've mixed the team to this point with legacy ADT employees who may have sold residential or small business or commercial who know the back end processes know what it takes to get things to work here at ADT, as well as industry folks, uh, people who know multifamily specifically, people who have sold solutions to multifamily. And so I've got a good mix on my team and we partner on, uh, I would say four out of five deals. There's some kind of a partnership between two of the national account managers on my team, because one of them really knows how to do the internal ADT processes. One of them really knows how to drive discussions and bring in the right people from the multifamily space. And the camaraderie and the team environment that we've created is unparalleled. I I wouldn't trade it for anything. uh, And everyone has their strengths and everyone plays to it and leverages the other folks on the team. It's a super cool environment to be in
0: i freaking love that do you uh do you feel like you have an enterprise sales environment in terms of sales engineers sdrs to help with pipeline or is this team pretty scrappy like what's the actual sales motion look like because i i have no idea what the team is complex as yours like what that actually would feel like inside looking out
1: everyone runs a full desk so from prospecting to discovery to site survey to contract to negotiation is a national account manager. We have not built out a traditional enterprise sales team with engineers, with account executives, with business development. And that's a challenge when you have to start from the first email. Hi, my name's Marshall, right? Uh, nice to meet you guys. Or you meet somebody at a trade show who may may or may not be the right person that you wanna talk to. And you have to get those introductions through the business. We have a fantastic customer support team on the back end that helps once the contracts are signed, facilitating installation, facilitating next steps, being the liaison for those customers. But all of my sellers are full cycle from start to finish. And the advantage there is because they touch every step of the process when that customer that we're working with decides they want to add a second property or a third property or a 15th property or a hundredth property, they go back to the same point of contact and i didn't mention this earlier but uh, an impressive stat is my youngest employee right now 10 tenure wise has been here two and a half years so we have very low turnover over here uh this year 100 percent of the team will hit 100 percent to plan which is also rare in, in teams that are over one person right if you have one person on the team you might have that happen but with 10 folks on the team I'm super pumped for the way we're going to finish the end of this year. And 2023 is only poised to be bigger right now.
0: Yeah. Most people that have a team of 10 or more that say that they're lying, they are lying. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh, with your role specifically, have you carried a frontline individual contributor sales quota before, or have you only carried the team quota? Because obviously you carry the biggest quota on the team. That's a huge misconception in sales leadership. But what about your specific background at ADT from a sales standpoint?
1: In multifamily, I've never carried an individual quota. Uh, I've been in three or four different sales roles in the organization before uh, I I moved into training and learning and development for a little while, but uh, I've carried an individual quota in the residential high-volume space. In the multifamily space, when I came on board, it was uh, 100% reliant on my team. The advantage that I have there coming in, not even knowing that we had a multifamily department, is that I sat on every call. I listened to what every customer said. I I ended up bringing in a third party company to help us with sales uh, and the sales process that we go through, building out a playbook, building out uh, a sales call. And so I've been as involved as I could be without actually being the one who requests the contract and collects the customer signature.
0: That's cool. I mean, it's such a superpower if you're curious when you're a sales leader, because you get to codify good so much faster than anyone else can, because a good rep might have a demo a day. That means you have 10, 10 a day. And I think there's a crazy reality in that, you know, you have an opportunity to help see the strengths and weaknesses of a team raise people up, you know, encourage good habits, kind of push down the bad habits and uh it's a superpower if you end up being a hands-on sales leader which outside looking in you definitely are.
1: And I'll tell you the advantage there is when we meet up as a group and I share ideas that I've heard throughout the week, everyone gets better finding the one thing that Noel did well, finding the one thing that Karen did well, finding the one thing that Kristen did well and bringing those all into a conversation where I I wouldn't have thought of the way they said things. I wouldn't have thought of asking a customer a certain question, but once I hear it and I see how the customer reacts to it, I share that with everyone and say, this is fantastic. I think we should all start saying this now. So it's an ever living process. uh, And that's how sales should be. There should not be a sales playbook written that becomes the sales playbook for life. The market environment changes, the customers change, budgets change. The environment in general changes, um, and and it's amazing to watch how we've transformed over the past three and a half years that I've been here into the organization that we are today.
0: That's so cool. I one of the observations just of you outside looking in is that you're really active. You're you're obviously you're on social, but when you're on social, you're talking about travel, your team, your customers, your future customers, your in a hotel with Tony Sousa doing something last week, or probably an apartment community, and has that been part of your secret sauce? Has that has that been something you've like learned over the years? Like activity is such a superpower in sales, and not many salespeople in our space are talking about it online, which is such a miss. Um, but I want to hear from you, just in terms of like how you're building this brand, how you're building this team building a space that clearly is like attractive for other people that surely want to be part of what Marshall's building. But I'd love to hear from you in terms of the activity, the LinkedIn, all that kind of stuff.
1: I was in a meeting, an internal meeting this week uh, with a new berg that was created at ADT, a business employee resource group. And I'm part of the young professionals berg. I have about 24 months left before I age out of the young professionals (laughs) berg and uh, have to join a senior citizens bird. But one of the things that I told the young professionals on that call was just say yes and figure it out as you go along. So a lot of them asked, how do we find out about new opportunities internally? How do we find out about the next thing that we should be focused on? And that's the approach that I've taken with life, with sales. Um, I raised my hand for every opportunity that I got. I volunteered to become a subject matter expert on different things over the last 17 years at ADT. And... Sales is no different, Mike. I think if you take a look at what's out there and you say, I want to learn about that, the only way you're going to learn about it is firsthand, go do it, be a part of it. Um, So you see a lot of the the highlight reel on LinkedIn, if you will. I I post the good times and I'll tell you 95% of my life is good times. So I'm not hiding or sugarcoating uh, all of the hard parts about sales. There are a lot of emails that go on in the background. There are a lot of late nights where I had a lot of fun during the day. I made sure everyone knew my job was fun. And yes, all the emails kept coming in while I was there and had to do work at night. Uh, a lot of courtyard Marriott's that you might drive by, have one light on you know, at midnight, and that's me up there cranking away those emails, trying to catch up on things. But my goal with LinkedIn was simple. It was... Show people what ADT Multifamily is about, build my personal brand, show people what I'm about, and be an example for the team that I have. You're right. I think LinkedIn is one of the tools that's extremely underutilized, but it's paying off for me. Uh, I did not post that I have an open position on my team right now, but ADT Multifamily did. I got a number, a dozen people in the last 30 days have said, is that position on your team? I saw something on LinkedIn. And the association is what makes me feel like my LinkedIn efforts are successful. Somebody sees ADT multifamily and they say, Marshall Friday, that's who I need to reach out to.
0: You're the only person I could name at ADT. And I'm sure I've got other mutual connections that are there, but by, I mean, period, if anyone has to say, you know anyone at ADT I'd scream Marshall Friday and I'm sure there are other people there, but I just think that's like that exactly summarizes why I think personal branding matters because you are attached to the company you work for your brand is your own but it does directly impact you know your team they probably get a lift out of it and of course like the the business and brand does too absolutely um what a like I'm curious on like the family front based on your profile picture and some brief chatter with you in the past. I believe you've got a bride and a a daughter. Is that that correct? I do. How uh, are you? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you. So I
1: I met my wife in high school. Just a little background for you. We did not date until nine years after high school. And when we showed up to the 10-year reunion, it was a shock to everyone to say, oh, you two ended up together. That's interesting. We remained friends uh, from high school all the way until the time we started dating. And my daughter was born on halloween uh in 2016 so she's about to be six years old
0: that is awesome what's she dressing up for does she know yet
1: she wants to be jasmine this year she's on a disney princess kick she's been elsa uh you know three out of the five years she's been alive and i think me and mom picked out the costumes the first couple of years
0: that's cool uh so i'm curious just like Outside looking in active, busy traveling, you're probably might like me top tier status with all the hotels and probably have all the cards. And we could probably have like a very hilarious in person like chit chat on that stuff. But you know, you have an identity as a, as a crazy successful professional. You obviously have an identity as a husband and as a dad, and you surely have an identity as a person who wants to take care of himself. You've lost weight, like you've done a lot to like refine, you know, a, a better version of Marshall balancing all that when you're in the stage of life, you and I are in is freaking hard. And, yeah. um, no one talks about that. That's not something that you find on LinkedIn. There's not a lot of podcasts talking about that for folks like us and people listening. What's your philosophy here in terms of finding a balance between yourself, your family, your work and your hobbies, like all the things.
1: Well, i interestingly enough, my wife travels for work as well so uh this week she was in miami i was home with the daughter uh i think our daughter camila loves it whenever it's just one of us there because she feels like you know there's secret things that we get to do when mom's out of town and there's secret things that she gets to do when i'm out of town and it's whatever our weaknesses are right if it's me letting her have an extra piece of candy or my wife letting her sleep in the bed it's there's something that she gets out of there being one parent in the house but we do our best to make a commitment to be present for her when we are home. And uh, I, I drive to work every day. I have the option to work from home, but I do drive to work every day. I like that separation of leaving my house to complete the work that I need to do and coming back home and, and leaving the work behind. That, that d- doesn't mean there are nights where I don't stay up and work after my daughter's gone to bed, but I do my best to be present for her. And my wife told me a quote, I'm gonna mess it up but her boss just gave her a quote uh, this week while she was in Miami. And uh, he said, I want you to remember that while you were here working, you took a withdrawal from the bank of Camila. And she said, what does that mean? And he said, when you get home, you need to make a deposit in the bank of Camila. You need to go back and be present with your kids. Don't go home and turn on your computer right away and feel like you missed some stuff on the airplane. Go back and be present with your kids. And so for me and and for any other professional out there who spends time on the road, who has a busy job, a busy lifestyle, make the time that you're with your family worth it by focusing on them, being a part of their lives, because we're all doing this work thing for them, right? We're earning the paycheck. We're putting in the hours so that they can have good things. And so when I get time with her, even if it's just walking around Bass Pro Shop, which she loves to do. She's not a fisherwoman. She's not a camper. She just likes going and hanging out in the tents or sitting in a kayak or, you know, going up and down the elevator. I, I focus on what she thinks is fun and we go have fun together.
0: That's cool. We uh in, in my family, we we have this thing. There's a book called How Full Is Your Bucket. And that's like the like going question we have with our kids and my wife and I as well, like, how full is your bucket? And it's like a great, like litmus test on the same thing you just talked about. Are you making deposits? Are you making withdrawals? And, um, I think it's a really cool way to like include your kids in that conversation too. keep yourself accountability with your partner. Um, that's cool to hear, man. I I think finding that balance is hard. It's obviously a work in progress, but I think it's a really important conversation to have because the busier we get, the faster we go. It's so easy to let go of things that matter and it's easy to forget about them too.
1: It is. And, and you mentioned the weight loss journey that became a, a focus for me and it, it was more telling for me about the lifestyle that I can create for myself and, and what I prioritize. So working out, staying in shape and exercising is now just as important to me as eating a meal, as drinking water. It's just a thing that I have to do every day. And it helped me realize if that's important to me and I made it a part of my life. What else do I identify is important to me? And how do I make that a a must do every day? And getting that quality family time may have hit the back burner, if I'm being honest. You know, when, when my daughter was younger, she couldn't talk anyway. She couldn't walk anywhere. It was sure I can work late. She doesn't know what I'm doing on this laptop here. But now that she's witty and sarcastic and when her dolls play and the mommy doll says, be quiet, I'm on a conference call then that tells us, okay, maybe we're working a little too hard around her and we need to just be a family every now and then. So kids will tell you when you're working too much uh, in their own subtle ways and making her a priority and making my wife a priority has become just as important as eating, drinking water, staying healthy. It just, you put the priority on it. And if you say it's important, you're in control.
0: Totally. That's so true. And, um... Hey, I'm curious if you have any questions for me. This is the first time, which is weird that we're actually chatting, but I'm curious if you have any questions for me since we've never had a chance to connect before.
1: I, I do have a question. What made you start a podcast and, and where did you find the time given that we probably have very similar work schedules? I listened to at least half a dozen of these in the car on the way to work, in the car on the way home, and I, I wonder how you find the time to do it and what your original motivation was.
0: So can I tell you like the medium long version of the story really quick? So I joined G five in 2015 and that's how I found multifamily kind of by an accident, kind of by design. And in my first informational call, I really wanted to work there. Didn't have any mutual connections and did a ton of sleuthing and found out that the head of design there, um, knew my uncle socially. So I used my uncle to get a meeting with this guy. His name's Jeff call him and the first thing he asked me is like, why aren't you on LinkedIn? And I was like, doesn't matter at Nike. Nike's a bubble. We all drink the same Kool-Aid. We have an internal version. I, I just like never mattered. And he said, you're, you're late to the party, but like, hurry up and get on LinkedIn. And so, um, he's like, it's going to be a huge disadvantage if you want to jump into the tech scene, cause it's going to, it's the first thing people are going to want to look at and you don't even have a profile. And so took that really seriously and it, like did it the hard way, right? Like slowly building a network fast forward a couple of years, I wanted to become a somebody in our industry and it's hard to go from zero to one in multifamily. It just is. It takes time. It's a, it's a long game business. Most people here have identified as like, I'm going to be here for a long time. And consuming was really hard. It was not, not a lot of people are active on LinkedIn. There aren't a lot of like modern media publications for it. So fast forward 2020, when I left to join rent dynamics. I'd built a brand of my own. I'd built a couple thousand connections that I'd had met over the years. And I was nervous to leave G5, because like you, my brand was attached to my business. And I was really nervous that when I left G5 and went to Rent Dynamics to become the evangelist, which is kind of the natural I I just end up taking on, that people would find it to be really disingenuous. So I decided during my one-month kind of sabbatical I took between jobs. That I'd start something of my own with the goal of having, you know, real conversations with the goal of moving the industry forward. Um, but also an opportunity for me to attach my brand to something that isn't just my company. And that's kind of how it was born. And I think like you, I like to network. So it's become a really like organic part of my week. Sometimes I do three episodes in a week and sometimes I miss a week and that's fine. And it's just become kind of this like fun. I can't even call it a side hustle. I don't make a dollar off the podcast. And um <laughs> that's the word barfi answer.
1: Oh, ah. so looking back, uh would you still do a podcast if you had a chance? Would you start it earlier? I mean, w- what lessons did you learn from doing it?
0: Yeah, I I would definitely do it again. Um I I like the fact that it's not a company podcast. Like Rent Dynamics really wants it to be like the Rent Dynamics show and Like I was like, I tell Trevor all the time, like if he wants to, he should like, there's room for podcasts. It's still early in, in the space to despite, despite what people might say, like, it's not busy at all. There are less than two and a half million podcast shows. There are more than 50 million YouTube channels. Like there's room still in podcasting. Um, I think I would probably have invested earlier in, in like, Making this like a destination environment for guests, like I'd love, I love the idea of having, like an in-office studio. I think it could be a really cool way to like have people come out do it in person, especially now that the pandemic somewhat subsided. But um, I'd do it again. I'd probably um, one thing I really want to do, Marshall, and maybe this is something we could riff on in the future. Shows with a, with like a co-host are more fun to listen to because you don't need the dependency on a guest. And that's like something I'd like to explore down the road is just having someone on who I like. We're like, once in a while, we just like riff. What do you think about that acquisition? Or what do you think about that social post this week? Or how do we crush this conference? Like a co-host would be fun. I've never found a co-host.
1: Huh. Well, let let me know where to apply. I'll I'll fill in as a part-time co-host if you ever want uh, just a second person to riff with somebody. I love conversations in this industry are amazing to me. The relationships that we can build in this industry are amazing to me. And you said something there. It is a long game, right? I didn't come into this space. Well, I came into this space with a misconception that uh, I'd be able to make an immediate impact. And I realized my first NAA was 2019 in Denver. And when I got there, I realized I was the only person that not everyone knew. Everyone else knew everyone else. And I felt completely out of my element. And then, of course, 2020, we had the virtual debacle of uh, different conferences and those were fun to wade through, and by the time 2021 came around, we we all got uh, so comfortable with each other online. It was a first meeting for a lot of us, and then as 2022 came around, it was a reuniting. I think this this past one in San Diego had so many people like you and I. In this in this scenario, we've gone from being internet friends to now being uh, virtual podcast friends. Now we see each other for the first time actually having a conversation to we'll be in person friends one day and i think uh because it's a long game it's never been about you know pushiness about trying to get deals closed as quick as possible it's this industry takes their time with decisions they want people who are willing to work with them and at the end of the day it's cliche but if you are not in with the people that make the decisions you're just not even included in that process it's it doesn't matter if you have a superior product at a lower price with a better margin, with better reviews, they want to work with people that they know in this industry. And I've seen that company to company to company that we've dealt with. And so that's the, the attitude and the role that I've taken. It's completely different from the transactional selling that I've done in the past. It's not a rice necklace. I can't stop somebody after the shampoo show and say, hey, get your name on a grain of rice. It's 15 bucks. You won't regret spending that much for one piece of rice. Uh, now it's you know I've got to show somebody who I am and and what I can offer as an individual because this is also a transient uh you know industry. I could be on the supplier side now. I could be on the ownership side, the management side. One day I hope to own my own property so I get to play both roles. Um, but I think this is such a long game over here that it's the relationships are so worth
0: it. People ask me all the time, whether it's salespeople, I talk to investors a ton and, um, people that are, you know, in the space and wanting to kind of maybe make it to the next level. And a lot of times people ask, you know, something along the lines of like, why do you do what you do socially? Or what's the key to winning? Or why don't you win more? And I always tell people the same answer, like mindshare. It's all about mindshare. And, if you don't have mindshare, good luck. And if you yeah. do have mindshare, is it the right mindshare? Are people thinking about you and your brand correctly? And that's where I think doing what you're doing, doing what I'm working or doing, like it's going to take time, but like my bet would be in five years when we're sitting down over a beer at NAA 2027, like we'll be in a pretty good spot. Oh yeah. Um, well, I'd say for version one of our podcast, we did a nice job. If people want to get in touch with you, is LinkedIn the best way?
1: Absolutely. I'm on there multiple times a day. I actually have a tab in my uh, Google Chrome that never closes that has LinkedIn. So I see the notifications pop up throughout the day. I'll pop over there. I have an insane ability to make it look like I'm on LinkedIn for 10 hours a day, even though it's just open in the background. I actually don't have any notifications on my phone. I don't get any LinkedIn notifications because it drained my battery too fast. The more and more I posted and the more active and collaborative I got with other people, So I'm a browser guy now, but a very easy way to get in touch with me. And as far as I know, there's only one Marshall Friday on LinkedIn.
0: Coolest name on the platform, man. Hey, well, thank you for joining. And until next time, I wish you a great weekend. Thanks, Mike.